Hi, welcome to After the Crisis with Victoria. On this podcast, we talk about stress, trauma, plain old bad days, and how those events impact the way in which we walk through the world. Everyone needs to be heard, and I am here to listen. Together, we will find realistic, healthy ways to turn our setback into a comeback. If you're a person who has ever endured difficult times, which have left you feeling disconnected from your authentic self, a little bruised, or even a little broken, this podcast is for you. Hi, everybody. Welcome to today's episode of After the Crisis with Victoria. I'm your host, Victoria English Martin. I'm very excited to have my guest all the way from Scotland, but Colorado bred. His name is Don Johnson, not Miami Don Johnson, but quite a handsome fellow. I will tell you a little bit about Don. I'll read the bio that he wrote me. He's a writer by trade, and it shows in the way that he crafted his bio. Don Johnson is a former sales and business leader turned executive coach, writer, artist, and musician. While swimming in the shark-infested waters of corporate America, he provided executive coaching and leadership development to leaders at Google, Microsoft, YouTube, the U.S. federal court system, the Jamaican Ministry of Defense, and more. His approach has been to help individuals examine their own attitudes, values, and beliefs so that they can be the best version of themselves and achieve what they never thought was possible. After graduating from Ohio Wesleyan University with a degree in English literature, achieved by studying as little as possible while experimenting regularly with illegal substances, he joined a global peace movement and lived as a monk for 10 years teaching yoga under the guidance of an Indian master. In 2016, he fell in love with a Scottish girl, soon got fired, started his own consulting practice, and moved to Scotland, where he spends his time writing on Medium, doing executive coaching, and watching wood pigeons eat holly berries. Welcome, Don. Thank you, Victoria. Glad to be here with you. Well, that is not uh, your typical intro, and I love that. Um, (laughs) I love your wit. I love your writing style. For my listeners, I found Don, I subscribe to a, a platform called Medium, and I read it every single day because they'll tell you in the beginning of each article how long the reads are. They'll say, this is a five minute read, this is a nine minute read. And the titles of the essays are usually so attention grabbing. And the article that I found that pulled me in was named Facing My Limiting Beliefs Transformed My Life. To live the life you want, you must first acknowledge what's holding you back. And this pulled me in for several reasons, just the tagline in itself. But also, I think I speak for many when I say that this is something that is affecting many of us these days, our limiting beliefs. Where are we supposed to be? Where are we going? Many of us feel like we're in a bit of a state of inertia with the virus and not knowing what information is trustworthy, what is being manipulated. And it can make it a little difficult to find our authentic selves and our authentic thought process. So thank you for that article, Don. And I thought we could just dive into that a little bit. Yeah, I'd be happy to. I started writing this article way before the pandemic, or the ideas of it were certainly before that. And I wrote it because I wanted to capture, you know, my own journey from feeling constricted and kind of living 
in something, particularly it was a relationship at that time that wasn't really serving me. And uh, that was why I wrote the article was to help me, first of all, understand how did I make that shift from what I really didn't want to what I did want. And I really started to go back and realize there was some key moments in time and some particular beliefs that I was holding that Mm -hmm. when I let them go really opened up the floodgates, if you will, to a whole different experience for me. It looks that way. And one of the things you wrote in your article is that, and you have a picture of this scrap of paper upon which you wrote three beliefs that you thought were ruining your life. The first one was, I don't deserve everything. The second one was, I'm afraid of what might happen. And the third was, I'm content with, quote, it's good enough. So let's dive into those because that's something I can relate to. Mm. I think just about all of us can. But how often do we, number one, even become aware of that on a conscious level? Two, have the cojones to (laughs) write them down and work on them. So can you tell me a a little bit about each of those, starting with the, I don't deserve everything? Yeah, yeah. I mean, those came as a result of somebody asking me, write down right now, like write down on a piece of paper, what it is that's keeping you from really having what you want. And that's what came. You can see I sort of scrolled them yeah. and and I kept that little piece of paper. And so from that moment forward, you know, a number of things happened, you know, for me personally, which I'd be glad to share about what those were. Mm-hmm. But, to, you know, answer your question, the I don't deserve everything when I wrote that down. And then I thought about it. I said, well, you know, what does everything mean, really, if mm-hmm. you will? And for me, the way I interpreted it at the time, and I think everybody could, you know, make their own interpretation of what that means for them. For me, what it meant at the time was that I could have the job I wanted, the kind of work I wanted, the love life that I wanted in particular was, I think, where that kind of came from, meaning Mm -hmm. a really loving, full, rich relationship connected at a spiritual level. And because of my background, you know, that was, you know, important to me. So that that theme of uh, settling kind of underpins that I don't deserve everything. Mm-hmm. And that was what was there for me there was how can I break through that, if you will. Mm-hmm. And that is not true for me. In, in my heart of hearts, when I dug down deep, I knew that that's a false belief, walking around thinking that because I'm such a this kind of person or that kind of a person or I've done this or I've done that, that excludes me from having a life of abundance. And I just think it's such a limiting kind of thing. And I didn't realize that tape was playing for a long time. Mm-hmm. Well, reading this article certainly pushed the play button on some tapes that I've been playing that I was not aware of. And so I've, I've done a lot of reflecting on this and I hope that my listeners will do the same. Was it scary for you to write that down? Yes, absolutely. Mm-hmm. And uh, I, I don't think I would have done it, Victoria, if I hadn't gotten a little push from a guy that I met randomly. I mean, it's one of these chance encounters that literally changed my life. 
If I'd been a minute earlier to the appointment or 30 seconds later, I would have missed him. But we crossed. And from that quick little crossing, he noticed something. He heard something. He asked me if he could speak with me. It was all done within a matter of moments. And then we connected and he just challenged me. He said, and then it was got to the next point, which was basically saying, what are you afraid of? Right. And I told him, I said, I'm afraid of what might happen if I speak my truth to my then wife. Mm-hmm. And we tore, you know, we, you know, we kind of unpacked that one a bit, mm-hmm. but that one got written down because I, was, I knew it was there. I knew I was afraid of the future. I wasn't afraid of this particular moment, but I was creating the worst possible outcome in my mind, and that inhibited me from actually having the conversation. Isn't that something we do so often? We create the story. You're a published author, but we are all incredible storytellers. You know, we can make up a story. We can create all sorts of climaxes and catastrophes and outcomes, and they're all in our head. So the bravery it takes to be able to say that, I'm afraid of what might happen. And I would imagine you, like you said, you catastrophized it in your mind. And then usually it doesn't turn out that way. It doesn't turn out as bad as we imagine. No. And this goes to exactly what this gentleman's name was Brian Johnson, by the way. And he said to me, as we were discussing this, he said, look, he said, I want you to repeat after me this statement, and I want you to embody it if you can. And it was really hard at first. And he said, I want you to say that when you have this conversation, it's going to be fun and easy. And the words kind of spilled out of my mouth barely. Yes. Like trapped in my throat, if you know what I mean. Like there's times when you're under stress your voice is condensed because it's so your throat's constricted. And then there's other times when it's opened up and you speak from your belly. Mm-hmm. Well, I was speaking from my throat and it was really hard to say those words. And part of me is going, this is just absolute rubbish and so forth. He said, do it again. And I did do it again. And it felt a little bit more grounded. Okay. Mm-hmm. And we probably did it a third or fourth time. I don't recall at this point, but the point of it is that, when I did go and have that conversation, mm-hmm. I wouldn't exactly say it was fun and easy, but it was closer to that than it was horrible and traumatic. And so when I had that conversation, that energy of kind of like, I can do this mm. and it's not going to be as hard as I think, that turned out to be absolutely true. Conversation was held, it was not a disaster. And of course, when you speak your truth, you feel relieved and you feel cleansed, if you will. Yes. And what I was observing as what was coming up for me, as you were saying that you were trying to say those words, this is going to be fun and easy. You're a truth teller. You speak truth. So for you to say something that must have felt so completely impossible and untrue to state those words, I can imagine how hard that would be. It was hard, but this is the power of like visualization and mm-hmm. affirmation. Like, you know, the, the, the whole point of it is that basically you're rewiring your brain. Right. Because, you know, the, the negative stories are there that you can't do this, you can't do that, whatever it might be. And so, yes, it feels unnatural at first because 
basically you're learning a new skill, if you will. And anytime you learn something new, of course, it feels a little awkward. It's not your unconscious, most natural self. Right. But after a little bit of work, it does become very natural. It becomes your truth. Yeah, it does. It becomes your truth because what you, that tape you'd been playing in your head was a tape created by who knows what your past, you know, past experiences in your life, um, expectations from society, a moral code to which you thought you, you know, you had to, to subscribe 24 seven, whatever it is that creates these stories that we tell ourselves. And that is where the limiting beliefs come in. And, and that's, yeah, that's, that's interesting. So by the time you got to the conversation with your then, then wife, it didn't feel like you were choking on the words. It actually felt like something that was becoming your truth. It was easy to do, much easier to do mm-hmm. and much more natural because to your point, we are all storytellers. And you, you know, the adage, like when you speak the truth, you don't have to remember anything, you know, <laughs> right, right. Uh, you know, because, you know, this this is your story. Right. And that's why one way for people to learn how to speak in public or whatever, as you might know, is simply for them to tell a story, tell a little bit of their story. Mm-hmm. Easy. Right. Right. So you have this difficult conversation. But mm. before we get to the end of that story. Yeah. Let's talk about that third belief that you had written down on that scrap of paper, which I'll post in the link. I love seeing yeah. things like that. Artists, uh, lyrics written on a yeah. coffee shop napkin. This is clearly not on, you know, this is not on fine letterhead or anything. This was scribbled down. You've got things. Yeah. It's so honest and raw. And I just love that. Third belief was I'm content with it's good enough. You said I'd given up on the possibility of having a loving and connected relationship. I'd never been a person who settles. But there I was, accepting what I had, even when I knew it wasn't what I wanted. I knew I had to make a change and stop letting those limiting beliefs dictate my life. Yeah. It's good enough. How many of us do that? I don't even know, but I, I'm like anybody else, yes. you know, if you will. And, you know, I think what happens, you know, Victoria, at least for me, you know, you find yourself in a situation for various reasons. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of what happened to me. I think I got involved in a relationship with all the, with all good intent, if you will. Mm-hmm. And at the same time, sometimes, you know, we enter into something and we're really not fully healed from the past. And, you know, those old wounds kind of play out and values can shift. Like, in other words, something that's super important to me today can change based on circumstance. So, mm-hmm. What was important to me, maybe when I was in the beginning of that relationship, was my teenage children and being close to them or near to them or taking care of them. That was very important. It might have been my job. It might have been my career. I might have put a little less attention into my inner work, my spiritual practice, for example. And for me, what I've realized over the years is that is an important value, but it may have taken a backseat to some of the other things. So therefore, living, you get put it, you're, you're in a situation, you're going along and then we start to change or I start to change. And I go, wait a second, that value that I put on the bottom of the deck, actually, I want to bring that up to the forefront. Mm -hmm. So I start pulling that up to the forefront. Then I start looking at my situation through those eyes. And I start thinking like, wait a second, 
this does feel like I'm settling for things that are not completely what I want. Mm-hmm. And therefore I feel that's where it's that it's good enough. Like it's average. It's okay. The relationship, nothing horribly wrong, but something inside of me saying it doesn't feel like everything that it could be. Mm-hmm. And this is where it gets tricky because I also know there's another law of nature that says you really can't have what's on the other side of the trapeze if you don't let go of the trapeze that you're on. And I know that I'll never know what's on the other side unless I let go of what I have, which isn't quite good enough in my mind. Mm. Right. So do I have the courage to let it go and be in that sort of place of not knowing? Mm -hmm. And that's a scary place for a lot of us to be. And that's where I was living for quite a while afraid of what might happen and afraid of what's on the other side. Mm -hmm. Yes. And so between the time of writing that on that piece of paper and you then go on to talk about doing the inner work, the power of visualization and affirmations, know and live your values. Were those things that you were, did you sort of take a pause from the time that you wrote down these limiting beliefs and say, okay, before I go and, and let go of this trapeze and reach for the other one, hoping it catches me, hoping I can grip onto it. Did you take some time and dig into that? Or was it sort of like, these are my limiting beliefs. I am not going to live according to my limiting beliefs. And I'm going to let go of that trapeze. Or did you take some time and dig in? <laughs> I'm laughing because, you know, it, it opens up another part of the story if, if we yeah. have time to you know, kind of connect that because you're asking a great question. Reflecting back on it, I think my thought process at the time was what I need to do is, you know, conclude this relationship and without any real expectation, I had no expectation of anything beyond that. Right. Right. I just know I needed to do that work. And that was really what I had in in my thought process. Mm -hmm. That turned out to be not quite the case because what happened after that was, I had made the decision and my wife and I had separated and I went to visit a, um, I call him a a shaman, an an 80 year old man that lives up in Vermont that's does work with couples and and individuals. And I wanted to have a session with him to sort of vet my thinking to Mm -hmm. kind of make sure I was just to bounce it off someone, if you will. And in between making that decision to do that again, enter the universe. You know, I travel over to Scotland. I'm assigned to sit at a table with some work colleagues, all people I don't know. And I wind up sitting next to a woman. We struck up a conversation and we walked out into the garden in the October sun of Scotland in a sunny day and had a chat about our respective lives. And, you know, within Literally, I mean, honestly, within a few minutes, there was this very instant connection. And as I learned later, she had also been doing uh, her work Mm. and had been asking her guides and spirits and mentors and so on and putting things out, affirmations and visualizations, if you will, of the kind of person that she wanted in her life, literally four or five days before this meeting at this event, right? And I'm sitting there feeling relieved that I spoke my truth. And I'd identified very clearly that 
if I do go into another relationship, I had a pretty good picture of what that woman in this case would look like. Mm -hmm. And it turned out to be her. So from that moment onward, we were connected at a very, you know, kind of multiple level level, if you will, multiple levels, if you will. Body, mind, spirit. You know, and so we just found ourselves in this soulmate kind of twin flame, call it what you will, connection, both realizing, wow, this is really what we wanted. So to me, the universe kind of delivered something. And if it had happened a month earlier, she wouldn't have talked to me if I was married or anything like that. Wouldn't have given me the time of day, nor would I have entered into some kind of conversation if if I had still been married without being separated or anything like that. Yes. That wasn't going to happen. So again, again, the timing Mm -hmm. seemed to be rather beyond my timing. Right. I didn't have time to date. I didn't have time to go on any online date. Nothing. I had time to do nothing. It happened so quickly. Wow. Now, that's a little, you know, you'd think like it's a little odd, right? But that's the way it rolls sometimes. That's the way it rolls. I, I, you know, the more spiritually awake I become, the less surprised I am by anything. What I love about your story is that you did not leave your relationship in search of another relationship. And that happens so often. And especially during these extremely odd times where for the first time in many of our lives, we are forced to be alone with ourselves and hopefully have the guts to do that internal work without an expectation of what's going to be on the other side of it. And I love that about your story. You weren't living through a pandemic, but you were living in a situation that was uncomfortable for you. You were willing to dig in and do the work without an expectation of your, you know, Scottish lassie being seated with you at a table such a short time later. You didn't know if you'd ever meet someone or if you'd meet lots of people and have that same void, that same, huh, this just isn't it. So that's courageous. And I hope more people can at least start by asking themselves those questions. What are your limiting beliefs? That in and of itself is hard work. Yeah, it is. And, you know, for me, the work, I think there was like the pre-work on this Mm -hmm. that preceded this. I was, you know, pondering this the other day. And I think it's around making the connection between what we have in our life sort of the outer life that we have mm-hmm. and connecting that to, you know, the way that we're thinking and the way, and the way that we're behaving and understanding that connection between the results that we get are a function of how we behave and how we behave is a function of how we think. And so the inner work really does start from the inside, examining, you know, your own attitudes, like you were saying earlier, values, beliefs, and kind of looking at that saying, you know, what's my self-talk? What's really going on there? Yes. Because the self-talk is going to create how I behave. Mm-hmm. And how I behave is going to create what kind of life I live, mm-hmm. what kind of relationship I'm in, those sorts of things. So that's, to me, kind of the the secret sauce behind, you know, uncovering the limiting beliefs is 
just kind of noticing, just starting to pay attention to what do, you, what do I have that I like? What's happening that I don't like? Mm-hmm. And trying to understand, well, why don't I like that? You know, if there's something I don't like. And I wonder if you know of any resources. I've provided some on my website before, and I'm happy to do it again. But one of the most valuable exercises I've done during the past, I guess, well, I've lost track of time, probably year and a half or so now, since I finished cancer treatment and stopped drinking and, you know, have sort of tried to find myself for the first time. Yes, it's a, it's an altered version of myself physically. You know, I've been through a lot. My body looks different. But one of the greatest exercises I did was a core values exercise. Mm-hmm. And it's one of those uh, multiple choice tests that you really can't cheat on because they flip questions around in so many ways that you really can't plan your outcome. And I went in and my top values came up and I keep those top values posted in a, in a prominent place where I can see them daily. And I ask myself each day, are these values showing up in the way that I live today? And yep. the first thing I realized that was, well, if I'm drinking alcohol, my values are not being reflected in my behavior, in the way that I, you know, the way that I carry myself, the way I treat my body. So okay, that's a good one. The next one is how is my self-talk reflecting my values? And that was, that was challenging. And some, on some levels that was more challenging than putting down the drink. It was, you know, wait a minute, if I value health, how is this negative self-talk and talking to my body because of the way it looks now, how is that serving my mental health and my spirit instead of thanking my body for carrying me through this battle of cancer? So I would encourage listeners to perhaps just start there. Start with finding out what are your values, turn off the media, turn off social media, and just what's important to you? Yeah, I totally agree. It's one of the things I do when I have a executive coaching engagement and somebody says to me, I really don't know what I stand for. I don't know my values. Mm-hmm. And I say, okay, there's something we'll work on. And I just used a great link on a website that I found that took somebody through, it takes you through a values clarification, no charge, yeah. beautifully done, takes 10, 15, 20 minutes it's a beautiful thing. I think you're right on the money there. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yep. Well, I'm I'm going to post a couple of options. If you think of that link, shoot it over to me. I will. Absolutely. I have it. Yep. Yeah, I will. Uh, I'll post that for our listeners because I think it's just a good place to start. Things like this yep. can feel overwhelming. You know, let me find my limiting beliefs. Well, what? what? <laughs> you know, I've got to feed them. Yeah. I've got to mow the grass and find out what I'm yeah. doing for work coming up, in, you know, with this yeah. still being closed. But just, again, like you said, 10, 15 minutes, it's amazing how it can just start yeah. to plant the seeds. There's another tool that I use too. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's called living above the line or below the line. Ooh. And it's sort of summarized in another article that I wrote about uh, how to weather the storm inside your head. And in a nutshell, for the purpose of just being brief here on the podcast, there are some tools there, and I'd be happy to share these with you that you could send to your listeners as well. The net of it is there's kind of a a diagram and a visual that looks at behaviors and beliefs and kind of 
takes you through a process to say, okay, am I playing the powerful game, meaning powerful? I'm full of my own power. I'm owning my own stuff. I take responsibility for my own behavior. And it kind of walks you through, well, if you are, here's the kind of things that you're doing. But if you're not, here's the kind of things that you're thinking. So for example, if we're in the powerful game and you're thinking thoughts like this, what challenge am I facing? What have I learned about myself in the past that can help me now? What can I do to respond effectively and achieve what I want? How can I deal with this and be proud of my behavior? Mm. So those are very rich, powerful questions. And if you're in the, and I'm summarizing the, this document, but if you're in the powerless game, your thought process can be more like this. What's being done to me? They should not have done this. They're wrong and they should know better. And there's really nothing I can do now. Mm. And that puts you below the line. Powerful mm -hmm. puts you above the line. Mm. So when somebody assesses themselves on this very simple little matrix, mm -hmm. it's pretty great to see where, where are you playing? You know, we could take the pandemic just for like two minutes and say, how sure. are we facing this now? Do we look at this as a challenge that I have to face? Because a challenge, meaning you didn't create the virus. None of us created it necessarily. Right. We didn't make it happen. It was many things we didn't do, mm -hmm. but it's all impacting us. So guess whose problem it is now? It's our problem. It's our my problem. problem to figure out how I'm going to deal with the cards that I just got dealt. I don't yes. like the cards. I don't like them, but I have to play them. How yeah. do I play it? Do I play it as, well, I got a challenge now. I got really crummy cards. I got lousy cards. Or do I play it as, wow, they really dealt me bad cards. Guess what? There's nothing I can do. Mm -hmm. I'm pissed off about everything. I'm not going to play along with the game. I'm going to, you know, whatever. Mm -hmm. And you get into a very spiral situation of depression yeah. really, really easily. Oh, yes. And we don't want that. So how do we look at life as a challenge or do we look at it as a threat? Mm -hmm. and something also that can help people figure out where am I? What do I need to do to shift? That's great. That's great. You've given us some really valuable resources to just make a small step to just assess where we are, what matters to us, and what that tape is telling us we can't have, that we can't do, that it's going to be terrible if we go for it. So thank you for that. Those are really useful resources. They're so needed these days. The toxicity is palpable. It's just, we have to, as truth seekers and truth tellers, it's our obligation, I think, right now to the universe to just do our tiny little part, to just mm -hmm. give a little, little wave at people, create a little bit of hope without dismissing the very real challenges that are occurring and going on right now. But choosing authenticity is a great step, and you've provided some great tools to get there. Just before we end, I just can you just tell me real, real, real quick, yeah, how you ended up going from living like a monk to mm. own a gun? <laughs> <laughs> well, you have to read the, the the new article out there called "Yeah, I was uh, I was a monk for ten years and then bought a gun." That's that's a fifteen minute read on Medium. Okay. Uh, but uh, so yeah. that one, and I'm like, you know, I just got to put that out there because yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, you no, don't I'm out I, of people's mouths too often. <laughs> you know, here's the short answer. 
The short answer is to have a beautiful, rich experience, an inner experience of joy, of inner peace and so on. You don't need to live like a monk. You know, you actually need to live a real life and face all the challenges that real life has. And having a spiritual practice, uh, I find, is is really an integral part of that. But to grow as a complete human being, you need to do all the work. You need to find all the all the shadow stuff, all the psychic stuff that's fragmented, bring it together, yeah. have a spiritual practice, you know, live in this world, but bring the light, you know, and um, shine your light. That was the journey that I went on. And yeah, sometimes we go through dips and valleys where uh, yeah, we do things that, you know, we're not proud of. And, and, you know, we learn from those and we move on and we start realizing that we can achieve the things that we never really thought we could achieve. Oh, yeah. Yeah. An authentic life has to have the pendulum hit both sides, at least. You know this because of what you were describing, what you've gone through. And, you know, we all go through that. And um, I think we just realize we just have to persevere and make good choices along the way. Yes. is really, you know, this is one of the important things. Yeah. Well, thank you. Thank you, Don. Tell me, uh, I know people can find you on Medium. If you guys have not heard of that, it's just mm-hmm. so enlightening. I love the authors on there. I, I have dreams of someday being on, on Medium. But mm-hmm. I just every article that I read, not every article, I don't read all of them, but the ones that grab me, I always take something away from them. And yours, like I said, just just grabbed my attention. I read it and emailed you immediately. And I'm just so grateful for you taking the time to share your thoughts with me, share your journey with me and and our listeners. But where else can people find you? Besides Scotland, looking at Robins. (laughs) Yeah, looking at uh, wood pigeons. Yeah, no, I have a website that you can share with your listeners if you like, and I can give you my direct email. So, I mean, there's there's those kinds of ways, you know, be integriagroup.com, I-N-T-E-G-R-I-A, integriagroup.com. That's my uh, website. So Excellent. Okay. Well, all of that will be posted on the show notes for this. Cool. And thank you for taking the time to speak with me. I know it's the afternoon over there. It's the morning here. My and pleasure. What are you guys doing the rest of the evening? Tonight is taco night, actually. Right. Cauliflower and uh, tofu tacos. Ooh, yep. That sounds yep. delicious. Oh, crispy, make them crispy. Mm. You know, have a little um, Southwest experience over here in Scotland tonight. That's like what's <laughs> that's agenda. Yep. I had vegetarian tacos last night. It was Tuesday. Awesome. That's great. Yeah, it's a, it's a tradition around here. Well, thank you, John. And I hope you in touch and good luck on your journey and be well. Thank you. Thank you, Victoria. Thanks for listening to After the Crisis with Victoria. For more about me, how I can serve your needs, and links to our special guests, please subscribe to this podcast and visit victoriaenglishmartin.com. Also, come on over to our free Facebook group and join our community after the crisis with Victoria. I'm offering access to fun, healthy, and thought-provoking content. Additionally, you'll find exclusive programs, workshops, and one-on-one coaching. Until next time, count your blessings, not your burdens. And remember, there is life after the crisis.